thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Football Digest podcast extra time. I'm your host Cara Bromley and I'm joined by Mark Jones today and we're going to talk all things transfer deadline transfers. We're at this time of the year where crazy things are happening, crazy rumours, crazy transfers could even happen and we're going to go through some teams individually and talk about some individual players that have been heavily linked but we're going to start with Manchester United because they 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 need a lot of things still the mark and um you know the, the linked with the goalkeeper uh Marky Guerrero from Chelsea Ryan Gravenberch who could be part of a, a bit of a transfer tussle and then some outgoings as well Scott McTominay linked with a move out amongst probably many other players so we'll start there Manchester United what's the state of play with them at the moment I think what you've seen in the last couple of days is it's, it's the left back problem, isn't it? And um, that seems to have sort of reared its head out of nowhere. And it's probably an issue that they really couldn't have done, you know, they could, they could have done with avoiding because they've had a bit of a funny summer. They, they've got they've got some FFP issues we know about. They've got some profit and loss issues they know about. That's that's the reason why the pursuit of someone like Amrabat has taken all summer long. And they seem to have spent all summer just talking about this midfielder they're going to get. And all of a sudden, the two left-backs go down and they now need a new one. And then cue everyone getting linked. Any, anyone who's got a left foot getting linked with Man United, basically. And and they seem to have settled on, on Cucurella, which is probably probably a decent shout, to be honest. It's probably you know someone who has got good Premier League experience, was very good with Brighton, was quite close to moving to City, wasn't he, before he went to Chelsea. And then I don't think you can judge him too much on what's happened at Chelsea but in the tobacco case of the football club. So um, it's... It, I, to me, it makes sense as as, as a low move, as a little stopgap, and um, and as someone who improves the squad, will be a decent addition, very very solid um, on that side. So I'd say that's for me would be the priority in terms of the one they really need to get done in the next couple of days because that's a real hole in the squad, isn't it? With, um, with the injuries to to Shaw and Malassi, which we're, we're led to believe could be a, a matter of months for both of them. So um, I'd say. I'd say that is the is the pressing issue, and then everyone else, like you say, there's always there's always links, there's always um, there's always someone being linked with with the United. The midfield problem, as I say, has been there all summer, and it looks to me like they need to get someone out before they get someone in. And the outgoing is probably McTominay, um, who is being linked with a few clubs, doesn't he? Bayern Munich now is another one, and then you probably see as soon as he goes perhaps that's when they can press the button on a, on an Amrabat or a uh, Gravenberch as well Do you think McTominay being linked with Bayern Munich do you think that'll help them in the pursuit of Gravenberch obviously you know you can put two and two together there put your yeah. football manager brain on and go that seems like a logical transfer swap I think so yeah and I think sometimes we do we do perhaps oversimplify the way we talk about transfers and things like that and, and we think about yeah football manager easy swap that's what happened it won't be like that, but you're having conversations, aren't you? You're having conversations with the people who are in charge of these football clubs. And if you've got a player, the quality of Graham Birch, who seemingly wants to leave, I mean, I saw um, Thomas Tuchel was talking at the weekend and he basically listed all his midfield options and he didn't mention it. And it basically sort of suggests that he's he's not too fussed about him, he's happy for him to go. 
Bayern we know have, have needed a defensive midfielder all summer. They've been linked with all sorts of different names. I think, I mean, I always think with Scott McTominay, he's a decent player there. He's, he's just, you know, you've seen him, I saw him play a couple of games for Scotland where he's further forward and he's getting on the ends of things and he's scored a few goals. So is he, is, is defensive midfielder his best position? I'm not too sure. So um, clearly he's a player that Eric Ten Hag thinks he can probably get by without. You know, he obviously saw him get rid of Fred as well. Um, he probably needs that refreshing of the squad and grabbing Birch is someone he knows. He's a name that we've been talking about all summer, being linked with Liverpool as well. And if they can get him in, it probably gives that freshness to that midfield, which we've seen in the first few games doesn't look the best. Uh, Casemiro suddenly looking all his years, isn't he? And, and I think that that signing is one that whilst was very good in the short term, you're suddenly thinking, was it the right decision to pay all that money for a 31-year-old who his best days are behind him, let's be honest. So, so you know, do they, they, need, they need a younger body in there. And uh, if he's decided it's not McTominay, then you might as well get rid of him. Alte Bayinda from Fenerbahce, goalkeeping option. And we're going to guess that that's a, a, a cover option for Manchester United there. But again, that seems strange when they, they've had, you know, you know, players like Tom Eaton there, for example. I mean, do Man United need to spend this sort of money on a, a number two, quite obviously a number two goalkeeper? I think again, I think it's a it's a it's an almost an accounting thing. They've got they've got rid of Henderson, haven't they, for to um to Palace for like twenty million and then bringing in this lad for four or five. It just seems to be a, a, a nice little swap, raise a bit of money. Um I don't know anything about him. So uh, you know, but he seems to have been he seems to have been fed he's number one for the past few years. It's obviously quite a big deal for him to be leaving then. Um but no, to me it just seems like a like a very simple swap. Um, to raise, like I say, raise a bit of cash, which perhaps is needed elsewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think Andrea Nana has, has, has looked too convincing yet, has he? But he's obviously the one that Eric Tenhag is going to trust as the number one all season, so he's going to stick with him. So I don't see the point in bringing in a keeper who is expecting to challenge him. Yeah, so, you know, it's not quite an Arsenal Ramsdale Reyes situation, is it? Um, now, it, now depending on how Anana gets on, you might need that in the future. But for now, Ten Hag's going to trust him. So in bringing this lad, he's happy to sit on the bench. We know Dean Henderson is not happy to sit on the bench. He's been very vocal about that before. So it makes sense to get rid of him now and, and bring in this name up. Okay, we'll switch now to Chelsea. Uh kind of the kings of the transfer window, aren't they? They've been so active over the last few. Although always active, to be fair, in history, they're always a, a team that enjoys a transfer. Um, yeah, there's a few links, a few players who have been linked out and a few players who are being linked in. Uh, Emile Smith-Rowe is kind of the name that that sort of caught my fancy. I thought, oh, that's a, an interesting bit of business. Out of favour at Arsenal. It feels like he hasn't kicked on probably fair to say it also over the last couple of years had a few injury troubles as well do you think that that's likely do you think Emile Smith-Rowe A fits the bill for Chelsea but B do you think Arsenal would be likely to sell him to a, a rival he probably does fit the bill um, but it's, there's two sides to every transfer and I don't see any any point in Arsenal selling him to Chelsea um, you, you just you are strengthening essentially a rival and um, I don't I don't see the point in that. I don't see Arsenal being too keen on doing that. Um, Smith Rowe has shown in the past that he's got that ability, he's got that quality, but I think 
what you've seen in his absence when he was injured for a fair bit of last season, Arsenal just progressed beyond him, didn't they? You know, and he, he was probably uh, there was a period there where he was he was you know getting in the team and he was he was quite a key player. Um, Arsenal fans still sing that song about him and Saka, don't they, together? And 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 you know, Saka's just so much more important to that team than than, than Smith Rowe. So um, no, I I keep him I keep him around. I think you know as long as he's happy, I, I can't imagine he's I can't imagine he's trying to kick the door down to leave. Maybe in a year or two, if he's not getting as much of a first team game, perhaps he will be. But no, I don't. I don't see that one. I just think it's um, it doesn't make any sense for Arsenal. They don't. They don't exactly need the money that much. They don't exactly need to be getting rid of him um, ahead of what will be a very busy period once Champions League starts, which they're not used to the intensity of those Champions League group games. So I think they'll want him around. Um, so no, I don't see it. I mean Chelsea. Chelsea will be looking at everyone because that's how they work. But um, I, I, just, I can't see that one really, to be honest. What about outgoing to Chelsea? We talk about Mark Cucurea, but I know Pochettino sort of hinted yesterday in his press conference that Chelsea were going to be quite busy. You know, I think they want to add a couple, but I think they also want to get rid of a few. What's the lay of the land with them um, in terms of outgoings? Well, we've seen obviously uh, Chalaber. Um, is is the big sort of link out at the minute to Bayern Munich, and um, it's quite. I think Thomas Tuchel's just spent his entire summer watching a like a, a Premier League years from a couple of years ago, and he's just decided to pick. Because everyone they get linked with seems to be a Premier League player this summer, and we've seen Chalaba's a good player. He's a good defender, but he's another one of these that's just become a little bit lost in the constant changing around Chelsea. And if they think that they can. You know, they look obviously they've got Thiago Silva who who is getting on a bit, but they've got Colwell who's clearly very good. Uh Fafana's out injured now, but then you know they they've got the likes of um the lady came from Monaco, uh Badiashir, obviously, uh the new lad uh Dizassi as well. So there's so many centre backs there that maybe Chalabas just thinks, okay, it's probably time for me to go. And what a what a move. If you go to Bayern Munich, you know, you look at you look at what Harry Kane's doing um over there already. I get the impression that Tuchel wants to bring in a mate for Harry Kane because he's, they're getting linked with the likes of you know English players, Chalibur and Eric Dyer. Uh, I saw yesterday, obviously um, other names as well, so other, other British players. So yeah, Chalibur seems to be the one that's closer to the exit door for Chelsea. And the more you think about it, the more it sort of makes sense. You can compare it to uh, Tomori, can't you? Who obviously went to AC Milan and uh, really showed his quality, got on the fringes of the England squad because of it and um I, I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't um wouldn't sort of tell Chalaba not not uh, not to make that move because it looks like a good one for it. What about Arsenal? Um certainly Rob Holden it seems to be the one that's linked, but they, they seem like they're possibly going to be quite quiet over the next couple of days or is there anything maybe that we're missing, maybe a position that they might want to recruit if something becomes available? Um I mean you look at obviously they brought in Timber who's got a bad injury. They've decided Carantini can go on loan to Real Sociedad. They've now decided that Rob Holding can go. Um, he's been linked to clubs in Spain. He's been linked to Luton. He's, he's West Ham, I think, or so. So there might come a point when Arteta looks out on the training ground and goes, hang on, where's the, where, where have the defenders gone? They, they, they do seem to be allowing a few to go. Uh, and I'm not 100% certain on some of those players he's got there. The likes of Kirio, who, who came in at the weekend. I'm not sure he's quite first team ready yet. So there might be a question there, but I, I, I doubt it will happen. Like, Arteta seems to be quite set on on his side. He's got a bit of criticism, hasn't he? The Fulham game, 
I think people are thinking he's trying, he's maybe trying to be a bit too clever with some of the things he's trying to do. You think about playing Thomas Partey at, at right back and and he's dropped Gabriel, hasn't he, from the start lineup, which is a real shock, I think, at the start of the season. Everyone, I certainly don't know. I had him in the uh, fancy team, so I, I just get rid of him very, very quickly. But um, it's, in terms of incomings, I, I, just, I don't see it. They obviously got their business done early. They got, you know, very impressive in, in signing uh, the Rice. Havertz, we know, is a player who divides opinion, but there's clearly a quality player in there. And then Timber's just been very unfortunate with the bad injury. So, um, incomings, I'd be surprised, to be honest. Outgoings, I, I imagine there'll be a few. And um, just, you know, the fringe players, some of the ones that you forget are there. People like Nicholas Pepe, people like that, yeah. who, who, who will, who, they need to ship out because there's no, there's, there's no problem being around the squad. Liverpool, um, you know, I, I still think they probably need help in that central midfield area. I know that's been the the talk all summer, but when you're seeing Alexis McAllister kind of lining up in defensive midfield, you're a bit like, doesn't look quite right. Uh, I've seen this one, Wilfred Ndidi linked from Leicester, and that's a, an interesting link. And Wilfred Ndidi, maybe Klopp and Tuchel have been watching old Premier League guys together because he's um, a player that's stocks went down quite measurably over the last couple of years do you think there's any truth to that could Liverpool buy Wilfred Ndidi and also what kind of fee would Leicester command for a player like him who is definitely on the downward compared to where he once was I imagine there's a big Liverpool list of midfielders and he's near the bottom of it and if they get that far down if they think they need one it's probably a relatively easy easy deal to do on a thought um he yeah he was I always think Leicester Leicester got very I think Leicester were very, very adversely affected when you think about when the whole way that football stopped with uh, COVID because Leicester had a squad full of so many exciting players think about Tielemans and Madison and everyone and they were all at their peak you know and and it was kind of like okay they probably would have sold on some of these players including Ndidi um, they, there was a chance there to, to move out some of these players for what would have been huge money at the time I think Ndidi could have gotten some most sides at, at one point and then everything happened you know and, uh, the value and the value of a lot of the players dropped and then tended in their relegation it ended in the likes of Tienemans leaving on the free Madison leaving for possibly on the cheaper side for for, for what he you know, people think he'd be worth so indeed he is would be a decent option in the squad for Liverpool but as I say I imagine he's near the foot of of the list of a big long list it's been a funny summer with Liverpool because they started it so well with McAllister and with Soboslai who's been a superb addition. But it's just gone stale. And and I think as well as the midfield, I think defence is an issue as well, especially now Van Dijk will face a suspension probably more than one game um, after his red card. You've got injuries there. You know, you, uh, Canate, Canate never seems to be far away from an injury. Joel Matip picks up injuries. Joe Gomez picks up injuries. They're bringing on the, the young lad there, Quanza, against Newcastle to see out the game. They, they did incredibly well, but can you rely on that every week? Um, so I think I think Liverpool have a bit to do. And I think has to be a midfielder and a defender for me, at least. As, uh, I, I think otherwise they are in real danger of going into this sort of rest of the season quite short. Um, the midfield, as you say, has looked a bit odd. Um, nobody, nobody could have expected what happened in terms of Henderson and Fabinho and they couldn't turn that money down but they haven't done anything with it and and it's and it's a case of yes they brought in Endo um, the, the Japanese staff for sort of 16 million 
but that's a signing they could have made at any point. So no, there, there needs to be there needs to be some movement in Liverpool, and otherwise, I think they could be in danger. And um, as I say, for me, it's it's a midfielder and a defender. If it's indeed the midfielder, okay, but it wouldn't necessarily be in the top of your list, would he? Do you think Liverpool have been stung a little bit by the the Moises Cassiedo situation? Because now, if I'm a team, I'm looking at them going, well, I know they've got £120 million there to spend on a, a player. Do you think that's hamstrung what they could do between now and the end of the window? Because clearly Cassiedo was the target and was the player that they thought was going to complete the midfield. And now everyone knows they've got a massive amount of money to spend and everyone knows they're desperate for a centre midfielder. Do you think that's going to hurt them from now at the end of the window? He said he was the target, and he clearly was, but I think he became the target in a very, very short window where basically I think they were sort of monitoring what was going on around him, and they've suddenly gone, hang on, Chelsea, nothing's happening there with Chelsea, let's see what we can do, and they've thrown in this bit. And I think the way Liverpool work, it's not necessarily, here's a giant pot of money, and we will spend this money on these players. It's more this money is available for player X. But player Y, we only think is worth this money. So it's, so it's, it's not as if, uh, that's, I think that's the way they work and that's the way they think. And they go, well, they saw Caicedo as a £110 million player. They saw Romeo Lavia as a £45 million player or whatever it was he went for. And once the bidding or the value of these players reaches a certain point, Liverpool are happy to walk away. Now, it's a policy that served them very well in the past, you think about some of the players they've brought in, quite impressive record of signings Liverpool. But one of the big reasons for that is they 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 turn down too many, and they they almost don't want to take a risk on the player. And I think we've entered this period now of the window where they have to do that. They have to take a risk on a player, and they have to say if they're going for let's say Gravenberg, they have to be willing to pay five or ten million more. They have to be willing to say, no, this is actually a needed, a much needed player now. And I think you're right. Like other clubs are able to turn around and go, well, you, we, like, we know you've got this money. And that's how they should think. Other clubs should think like that because they want to get as much money as they can out of, out of their player. But I just think Liverpool's policy for so long has been, has been to do it this way. And it's a fascinating time behind the scenes because you've got different faces there now who perhaps think differently. And it's, basically created a situation where they do seem they do seem quite unwilling sometimes to make the move to, to pull the trigger on some transfers and I think it's entered the critical point where they have to do it now and yeah if you're if you're a selling club you've got every right to sit there and go um well give us more money because now you've got it um so they're gonna have to compromise on their beliefs and some of the way they approach some of these transfers I think because they as I said they need to get someone in they need to get to one two Matthias Nunes linked with Man City, previously also linked with Liverpool. So it's surprising that they haven't seemingly at any point this summer looked at him because he was quite heavily linked, wasn't he, in January from memory. But he's been linked heavily with Man City and that feels like one that will get done. And I think what's interesting here is, is you look at the list of all these teams we've talked about here and the stuff that they need to do and maybe the bit of chaos that's behind the scenes, whereas Man City seem to me like they've got the target um, they're going to get it done there's going to be no fuss about it and that's going to be that Man City are so much more clinical when it comes to the transfer business compared to the others and it feels to me like this is going to be a big win 
for them. I think he's a, a top quality player and they're probably going to end up paying um, a pretty decent fee. I think it was at 60 million-ish we're talking for him. It looks to me like good bits of business for Man City, but what do you make of that transfer? And are you surprised that there isn't or hasn't been other interest in him this summer? Um, yeah, a bit. I mean, yeah, you say about Liverpool, I think he was being linked with Liverpool as he was going to Wolves, like in terms of, and there was this suggestion that um, see George Mendes was basically just parking him at Wolves for a year and then he's in love to Liverpool and and Liverpool have a good relationship with Mendes. They've, they've, they've had lots of his clients assigned for them, like Jota and Nunes are a couple of them. Uh, Darwin, you know, and um, and yeah, so it was. You could sort of see it, and you thought, okay, yeah, give him a year in the Premier League, see how he gets on. I don't think he was the most eye-catching player last season, was he? Obviously, we have we have a lot of Wolves fans we work with. They they didn't seem to rate him that much. He's a good player, um, but he's probably not what Liverpool need right now. Liverpool need more of a defensive sort of sturdy midfielder. So I can I can see why Liverpool are not really getting involved in it now. In terms of City. Yeah, he'll be a good sort of ball carrier that they that they need. You know, obviously, when you mentioned about their transfers, yeah, I mean, they, they brought in Kovacic very smoothly, didn't they, very quietly. And he's starting games for them. I thought he played well at the weekend. Um, and Nunes, I think, will just be another body in there who can come in. He uses the ball very well, you know, good passer of the ball. And the, the big thing with City is um, everyone, obviously, is drawn to Haaland and is drawn to Fogel and Grealish and the attacking players, but... Just look, just look at Rodri and how important he is to that team. And I think anyone who comes into that City squad is almost as a foil for him. And 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 if he can, you know, if they can bring in someone like Nunes who will do a job in midfield, is probably more than happy to, you know, be on the bench for a few games and come on and get his fair share of matches. I think it'll be a good addition. Um, I, you know, they've essentially got Kovacic for that job. He doesn't seem to fancy Callum Phillips, does he? So it might be time to. So let that let that move on. Maybe let him go on loan, perhaps. Um, so no, I can see it. Yeah, you're right. It seems to be one of those that's ticking toward the inevitable, inevitable conclusion. That one, and it's, it, it'll probably be done on Friday. Calvin Phillips is an interesting one. That's a name that has been linked with Liverpool as well. Do you think there's any legs to that? Or do you think he's probably for me? He's not good enough. But I don't know if Liverpool see him in that way, or if you see him in that way. Um, he was very good, wasn't he? At one point, yeah. You think about that England Euros uh, side. He, he played well in that in that side. He's obviously been unfortunate with injuries. Um, I, just, I think he probably needs a chance to prove himself in terms of you know if he was playing for a team like Liverpool. Um, Liverpool, when Liverpool are at their best, you basically haven't noticed them midfielders, have you? You know, for, for for years, for years when when Klopp's side were playing, with winning games, winning every week. You know, the season Liverpool won the league, they won 26 in the first 27 games. And the way they did it was just with them in field, which just kept on going and kept on going. But you weren't shouting from the rooftops about Wijnaldum Weir or Henderson or Milner or even Fabinho. So in that in that sense, can Phillips be that player? Probably can, yeah. He probably can do that job. Um, and they need someone there. Whether or not, I don't, know, I don't think that Guardiola got a little bit burned by um, giving Arsenal a couple of his players in the last summer. So I'm not sure if he wants to give Liverpool one of his players and 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 perhaps you know improve them. So um, it, in terms of where else he could go, uh, I, I imagine he'll have a fair few takers if he's available. Um, I can see him do the job, and he was he got, he's, he's clearly got something about him but the injuries have just taken his toll and and Man City are quite a specific team to play for aren't they as I say 
Rodri is so important. So I don't think we should judge him too harshly for not really working out there. We'll move now to Spurs. Um, a one that caught my eye, a loan move for Andrew Fatty from Barcelona. Uh, and then also heavily linked with Brennan Johnson from Nottingham Forest. So there's two transfers there. Do you think either of them have potential legs or do you think they're here at all? Uh, Andrew Fatty is a classic transfer window name, isn't he? He, he, pops, he pops up all the time. Um, Johnson would be good. I think Johnson would do all right. Um He's a good player. He's got he's got a little bit of extra sort of he's got something about him, I think. And if I'm Forrest, I'm I'm trying my best not really not to let him go because they've got they've got him and they've got Gibbs White. And in all the change around Forrest and all the players that come and go there, those two are essentially their sort of shining lights, I think. And and if I'm Forrest, I'm saying to them, look, just give us another year and then we'll let you go, whatever happens next summer. If you know especially if they get relegated, or if they stay up, so if, if Spurs want him now, it's going to be it's going to be expensive. Fifty million, I think, is a lot for him. That is a lot of money for a player who is still potential, isn't he? As opposed to sort of delivering. But there's a player there, and if you were to use him, not sparingly, but if you were to use him in addition to their other attackers, they've got Kulusevski on that right hand side, Son obviously, Richarlison. I would say they could probably do with another sort of central striker. Obviously, you know, they're never going to replace Kane, but um, that, that to me would make more sense than, than Johnson who plays on the right. So, well, I mean, he can play across, across all positions. Maybe, to be fair, maybe that's Foster Goblin's idea. Maybe he'll play him across, across the three at the front. Um, so that, that's one that I'd, I think would, would be a good move for Tottenham. It's just a touch on the expensive side, but so there's nothing else he's there, isn't it? So um, it's, it's probably not one to worry about in terms of the money. So with him, I think, yeah, you're you, you're not having the adapting, you know, sort of adapting to Premier League issues. So I'd probably prioritise a move for him over over Fatigue. You're not quite sure if he'd if he'd settle in, um, and it would only be a loan as well. So you know, you, you, it's it, it would be a level of a level of uncertainty with that one. Um, so I'd go, I'd, 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 I'd lean on the side of Johnson for that for that move. Danny Ings linked with Everton. It's interesting that one because obviously he had such a good year at Villa and then struggled first part of last season. Goes to West Ham. Hasn't really settled in there. And now linked with Everton. So doing the doing the rounds, I suppose, around the Premier League. <laughs> Everton need a striker, though. We all know that. Uh, they have just spent £25 yeah. million pounds on a striker as well, though. Do you think there's anything in this? And do you think that's a player that would solve issues for Everton who we know can't score goals I think it's it's your classic isn't it right we need some Premier League goals let's call Danny Ings I, I think that, that's just a classic I and mean, you've seen it happen almost yeah as you say he's doing the tour of, the, of a few clubs now he's been around a bit hasn't he and at West Ham he's not he's not starting uh, almost the last two three seasons at West Ham you're almost waiting for Antonio to kind of fade away but he looks as good as ever uh, yeah, he's, he's, that goal against Chelsea was fantastic and he was superb against Brighton as well so he's absolutely nailed on to start. I think they're going to sign another striker as well. I know they've been looking around. I think it's in Brazil. There's a couple of players there and they're looking at and seems very likely they're going to sign one of those before the window shuts. So that is going to is going to dampen Ings' sort of chances again. And yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he pops up at Everton on, on Friday. I think um, it would it would be a move that makes sense, certainly for Everton. Uh, he knows Sean Dyche when he's at Burnley. So um, it would be a move that Certainly on Everton's part, I think 
I'm not saying they're desperate or not, so they've just spent 25 million on a, on a striker. Let's see how he goes. He, he, you know, he had a decent record in Italy, which is not not the easiest league to score goals in. Um, so they'll be putting all their hopes in him because it's been an awful start. They haven't scored in, in three matches. They can't rely on Calvert-Lewin because we know he's, he's going to get injured. He's, he got a very unfortunate injury, didn't he, against um, Villa, but but you just you just know you're never too far away from him kind of breaking down. So Ings, Ings has had his injury as well, but he's he's someone who at the age he is, he's, I don't know, off the top of my head, he's probably early 30s now. He's probably happy to come in and play a bit in the squad role. And and it's I mean it's not worked out for Neil Mopley, has it? And, and I think there's a a, a parting of the wages needed there for everyone. So so yeah, I actually I think the more I think about that one, the more I think it there's it, it a decent chance of it happening. And um, and it would make sense for everyone, I think. Yeah, does seem like a, a good fit that one, Danny Ings. Yeah. You think you'll get ten goals for them, which is not which is what they need, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, although has been out of form probably the last year, so maybe it could be a Neil Morpe situation where they bought <laughs> a guy who's uh, definitely on the decline. Last one to talk about today, and I'll put this one in here just because I have such fond memories of Divockery being such a oh, a bit part. Yeah, a bit Paul Premier League player who who laid his mark despite the fact he felt to me like he probably only started about 10 years for Liverpool in three or four years, but he just made an impact at the important times. Linked with Burnley, uh, he went AC Milan, doesn't look like that move's worked out, so a move back to the Premier League could make sense for him. Do you think this is a, a good move for Burnley or do you think that you know they're going to be overpaying for a player that actually isn't you know, going to score them 15 goals in a season. He's almost certainly not going to score them 15 goals, um, but he is probably what they need in terms of a sort of physical striker. You know, from what I've seen of them so far, they've, they've got a lot of players who are very, very unburnly from Dyche's time and and this new sort of football playing Vincent Company, Burnley. Company knows her, he played in for Belgium, so he'll know all about him. And yeah, I think, he 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 was absolutely loved at Liverpool because of the things he did, but he nearly left two or three times, and basically was just always hanging around. It was a very useful player to have around for the big moments, and he absolutely delivered in the big moments, and that's why he'll forever be remembered there. But if you're thinking, okay, can we get someone in who I think fifteen might be a touch, maybe in that the. the uh, Danny Ings' quota there of 10 is probably one that if you, if you can get him to do a Danny Ings and get his 10 goals, that would be fantastic for Burnley. And it, it probably would be enough to keep him up because I think the teams down there, that's what that's what's going to separate them, I think, having a reliable goal scorer. And Everton have taken a couple of gambles to see if they can get one. Sheffield United, we've seen, have brought in Cameron Archer, who they've paid a lot of money for. You know, Can he get the goals for them? Origi would be someone I think he'd act as more of a foil. He, he but he, he he's a very hard worker. We've seen him. We've seen him work hard for Liverpool. You know, nobody ever questioned his work rate. He's a very he's supposedly quite an intelligent guy as well. And he thinks a lot about the game. And I think he look, he didn't work out at AC Milan um, for him. Uh, and yeah, bringing it back to the Premier League, I'm sure. I'm sure if he did sign with Burnley, he will have one or two moments in the season where he pops up and scores a winner, and we all we all remember what he used to do. So. Yeah, it's a move that makes sense to me, and um, I can see that see that one happening, and, and it'll be a good, really good addition for them. Yeah, I think Burnley as well have had 
a bit of a poor start season, haven't they? So maybe they're thinking we need to add a little bit to this team. But we're out of time now, Mark. Thanks for joining me this morning. And hopefully we'll be sat here on Friday night tapping away about all these transfers. That's a lot of dud like it has been in previous years where we've been sat there twiddling my thumbs at half ten on a deadline day. So fingers crossed we'll see some interesting deals and maybe one will pop out of nowhere that we've not even talked about today. Maybe there'll be a big name signing made before the deadline. So thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again, Mark, and enjoy the rest of your week.